great idea if I turn on my microphone before I started talking. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I love it. So good to be together with you guys again today. Uh, love, love church. Love you guys. And let me just start by saying this, is that when I come into a Sunday morning, what I usually like to do be, as, as I'm coming in, right, to preach the word of God is I usually try to think of what sort of week you might have had. And for some of you, you may have had the highest of highs this week. For those others of you, it might have been the lowest of lows. Probably for most of us, we had a pretty typical week, right, where things just continued on as they normally do. Nothing out of the ordinary really took place. How many people had that kind of week? Yeah, most of us, right? Now, each of you guys knows the kind of week that you had, whether it was good or bad or mundane, but hopefully you know the reason for why you've come here to church on Sunday. And the reason why we gather here is we gather around the name of Jesus. We gather around the testimony of Jesus Christ. We get to worship him with singing, which we just did. We get to be reminded of the truth of God through the preaching of his word, which we're about to do. We have times where we get to reconnect with one another and encourage each other and pray for each other as we all head into another week as we live out our lives in this world. We come here, right, to church so that we can get filled up, so that we can be sent out. As we've learned in Second Peter, you could say that we come here so that our sincere minds can be stirred up for heaven. So we come here for those reasons, but there's the possibility that you've come for some other reason. Uh, you might be one who is seeking truth, and I, I have to say, I think you've come to a pretty good place. Um, you might be one who has come here because you're trying to appease a person who's been inviting you again and again to come to church with them. And I hope that today you would find yourself pleasantly surprised by being here and gathering with us. There are all sorts of reasons for why a person might gather in a church on Sunday morning. But isn't it true, church, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you are the church, isn't it true that today is a reminder of the patience and the kindness of God? Because if you were here last week, then you heard from 2 Peter chapter 3 that God's beloved church is to receive that continual reminder that Jesus can come back at any moment. And look, he didn't come back last week, did he? He didn't, okay? You would know. Okay. <laughs> But this is what we do know. We are another week closer to the return of Jesus. Because every moment that passes is another moment closer to our salvation. Therefore, if you have put faith in Jesus Christ, who is the crucified and resurrected Savior, then you are getting closer to being with Jesus in his eternal kingdom. And you are one week closer either to your death or you are one week closer to his return. And whichever happens first, whether you die or Jesus comes back before you die, that will be the culmination of your salvation. Now last week, as you spent this week hopefully waiting for the coming of the Lord, it might have gone by slow for you, it might have gone by fast for you, but from the Lord's perspective, last week was like a mist. It was like a blip on the radar. 
Because in the scope of God's eternal nature and from the vantage point of God's dwelling place, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. And we think about the sort of week that we had, but God has all eternity in his mind. He knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And so while we don't know what next week holds for each one of us, God does. He sees it all from beginning to end. He is the ancient of days. And the Bible has revealed the beginning and the end of life as we know it now. And 2 Peter 3 has been giving us a great look into what God will bring about in the last days. That life will not just continue on as it always has, but that the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord. What, what is that, right? The day of the Lord is the time when Jesus will bring salvation to those who believe in him. And he will bring judgment to those who have refused to believe in him. And so we need to remember, right, church, that the patience and the kindness of God was on full display this week. And that he waited a little bit longer before the day of the Lord comes. Why? Why has the Lord waited to come back? Why has he tarried his coming? It's so that more people can come to faith in Jesus. That more people would come to repentance. And, and guys, God counted on us this week that we would be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that by us being faithful and obedient to sharing the good news of Jesus with others, more and more people can come into the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And, and so that is the eternal perspective that we want to have. That is what we want to be reminded of again today of, is that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming quickly. He will come in a way that is similar to how a thief comes in the night. I don't know if you've ever had a thief come in the night and steal something from you. At one point, I had that happen. I went out to my car one morning. Well, it wasn't just any kind of mor morning. My wife was pregnant and past due for our baby, and she thought her water had broken. And so I went out to get the car, and the car was stolen. <laughs> A thief came in the night unexpectedly and stole my car. And so... <laughs> I was quite surprised to find out that I didn't have a vehicle to drive my wife to the hospital. And it all worked out, we got the car back, but, but in the same way that a thief comes in the night. You know, when a thief comes, they don't make an appointment with you. Hey, so I'll, I'll be there at 2 a.m. Okay, leave the lights on, thanks. Comes at an unexpected time when, when people don't expect it, when, when they're not alert, but but church, we are those who stay awake. We are those who are to keep watch and to be alert because the soon coming of Jesus will come and when it comes, there will be fire that will destroy the current heavens and the current earth and Jesus will bring the new heavens and the new earth that we have been waiting for and that he has promised to bring with his coming. And so we're gonna read God's word right now. We're going to read the end of 2 Peter, the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. Next week, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. I'm really excited for that. 
But as we finish these two epistles that we've been going through for some time as a church, we're going to back it up a little bit to verse 8. I know we covered those verses last week, but we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to read down to the end. And as we're reading, this is what I want you to do. I want you to see how Peter is exhorting us of the way that we are to live in light of the soon coming of Jesus. Okay, so you ready? This is the text for 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 18 says this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. By the way, I didn't say open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be on the screen for you, and that's fantastic. But I love saying open your Bibles and hearing people turn the pages. Now, if you have a phone and you got the device, I get it. We, we live in a modern age. I, I use my phone too, but whatever Bible you use, and, and I've been talking to a lot of people recently about Bibles, just on a real practical level. What is the best Bible that you can get for you? Uh, there's all different translations. We use the ESV here. There's all different, you know, kinds. I've got one that's bound in Highland goatskin. I love this Bible. I prefer a single-column Bible rather than a double-column Bible. It's just easier for my eyes to read. There's all different kinds of Bibles that you can get, whether it's on your phone, there's different apps, or whether it's a bound Bible. But the question is, what is the best Bible for you? That's the answer. The one that you will read. All right. Nailed it. So open your Bible. 2 Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 18. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, for the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Here's our text for today, verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures." You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now 
into the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed these truths beforehand, that your beloved children might know the plans that you have for us, that you are bringing a new heavens and a new earth, and help us in light of that truth to live in such a way that we are prepared for that time. And so Jesus, would you just refine your church? Jesus, because of your patience, would you draw people into your church today? Would you save people and cover people by the blood of the lamb? And God, we just wanna look to you, Jesus. We wanna seek our savior today. And have our eyes fixed on you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, so looking back in verses eight and nine, we have seen the reason for why God has delayed his coming. He is patiently waiting for sinners to repent, which means that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, where you know him and he knows you, then God is waiting for you to come to him. He's waiting for you to come to him before he comes back because God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and that's why he says, turn and live. And so today is another opportunity for you to turn to Jesus for the free gift of eternal life that only Jesus can offer. Today is another day for me to tell you that today is the day of salvation, so do not harden your heart in unbelief. Come to Jesus if you haven't come to him yet, and he is patiently waiting for you because he does not desire that you would perish. So salvation is for all. Salvation is freely given, but salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. And so we can be thankful, right, for the fact that Jesus has delayed his coming another week. Because I know how many people were stirred up last week. I know how many people talk to me about how they still have loved ones that they want to see come to Jesus. So Lord, let's see it happen. God, use us to be witnesses of the gospel, that we would be bold and empowered to give the good news of Jesus to those that we love. But Jesus will not wait forever. Verse 10 says that the day of the Lord will come. That day is coming. And when that day comes, God will judge those who have refused to receive this gift of life. Again, we don't know when that day will be. It's gonna come like a thief in the night. It's gonna come at an unexpected time when people are not alert, but we are those who stay awake. We are those who keep watch. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know him and he knows you, then this means that when Jesus appears, you want to be found in him. And let me tell you that when Jesus comes, you do not want to shrink back at his coming. When he comes, every work done on earth will be exposed. Exposed. Do you know what that word means? It's all going to be brought into light. Everything is going to be seen. God already sees everything. So you're not hiding something from him, by the way. 
But there's going to come a time when everything will be exposed. And for those who've refused to heed God's truth, the day of the Lord will bring terror. But for those who have accepted God's truth and are seeking to know and love Jesus, then the day of the Lord will be a delight. Verse 10 says that the day of the Lord will bring destruction, that things are going to dissolve and melt away. And I don't know exactly all of what that means, but I want to be found with Jesus in that. So if you're living for this world, the day of the Lord is a gloomy day. But if you're living for heaven, then the day of the Lord is a glorious day because it's going to usher in God's eternal kingdom. So let me read verse 10 again, and I wonder that as I read this, how this fact is going to sit with your soul. Let me read verse 10. It says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So what you have to do is you have to ask yourself with all sincerity, does that bring me dread or does that bring me delight? See, there's going to be a sudden destruction of this earth and an exposure of all of our works. And if your heart and if your treasure is on earth, that is not a day to look forward to. But if your heart and your treasure is in heaven, then that is a day that you can eagerly await in anticipation. So your reaction to the coming of the day of the Lord depends on what you're living for today. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? Now listen, there is a lot that we could look into in the other parts of the Bible to get you know, a prophetic timeline or a more detail as to what this coming of the day of the Lord will bring. We could unpack for days what scripture has to say about the second coming of Jesus. We could discuss the rapture of the church. We could discuss the tribulation period. We could discuss the millennial reign of Christ where Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years in perfect peace. We can talk about the judgments like the Bema Seat judgment or the Sheep Goat judgment or the Great White Throne judgment. We could talk about the new heavens and the new earth and what the book of Revelation tells us about the perfect righteousness and peace that's going to dwell in the new heavens and the new earth. And we're seeing here in 2 Peter that there is a new heavens and a new earth and that it will come. And so it means by implication that there is an old heavens and an old earth. And it would make sense then that we are currently living in that place. We are living in a time period that the Bible calls the last days. The period of time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. But the time period that we know as the last days will come to an end. 
And Jesus will bring the day of God. And he will make all things new. Now look, I don't think Peter is writing here to give a detailed account to end times prophecy. I think what Peter mostly wants us to see about the second coming of Jesus right here is one simple fact. That it will happen and that it should change the way you live your life today. All these things are thus to be dissolved. Peter has no question about the second coming of Christ. And look, there is theological differences. There's endless debate among believers as to the prophetic timeline of the second coming of Jesus and the events that surround that truth. We call that biblical prophecy or the the study of eschatology end times theology. And and some of that theology may be hard for us to understand because a good and a proper eschatology requires careful study of the scriptures. So, So don't feel alone if you have questions about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Don't feel as though this is all just sort of over your head. It doesn't have to be because what you can do is you can patiently and prayerfully seek God's word and ask him to teach you. And this is what I love that Peter writes in this section. See, Peter writes later on in our text here that there were things that Paul wrote in his writings about the second coming of Jesus that were hard for Peter to understand. Let me read it, verse 15 and 16. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other other scriptures. Isn't that the best? Do Do you see right there what Peter just said? This is one apostle saying about another apostle's writings. Man, some of this stuff I just have a really hard time wrapping my mind around. Peter recognized the wisdom that was given to Paul from God. Paul also had wisdom from God, but not as much as Paul. You know, Paul was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. He was was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a trained scholar. What did Peter do? He was a fisherman, right? I'm sure that as, I love that Peter says to Paul, he calls him my beloved brother. Because you you know that there was like that one time when when Paul publicly called out Peter and that the relationship was still good. He called him a beloved brother even though Paul had to like really lay into him. Right? But, but as they compared you know, their lives, and Peter's saying, man, some of the things Paul says, it's hard for me to understand. And, and, and then Peter's like, yeah, but I got to walk with Jesus for three years. You know? And, and so maybe Peter was one that was more driven by experience. Whereas Paul was maybe one who was more driven by intellect. 
Oh, God is so good. He loves to have diversity in his body. He loves to have diversity in his leadership. And Peter is saying about Paul, man, I, I don't understand some of the things that I read in his writings. And so Christian, student of the word of God, doesn't that bring you some level of comfort and encouragement? You might not be a theologian or a prophecy expert, and that is okay. But you can know that you know that you know that Jesus is coming again. The details of that might be hard to understand at times, but you should keep searching the scriptures. And what is clear is that you should be living in such a way, conducting your life in a way that you are in hopeful anticipation for that day, which means that you are living a life of godliness and holiness. And so there should be no question among true believers that Jesus is coming again and that because of his coming, it needs to shape how we live by faith today. Which, let me just say that if you know all the prophecies of Scripture and you could give a detailed account as the chronological timeline of the last days, but if it doesn't lead you to a life of holiness and godliness, you know nothing. See, when I study the second coming of Jesus, it sanctifies me like no other truth. Knowing that Jesus Christ can come back at any moment makes me want to be holy. The return of Jesus, it has such a purifying effect upon the soul of a believer. Because you know that when he comes, you want to be found being about his work. So holiness and godliness ought to mark our lives as a believer in Jesus. So look, if Jesus comes back, as I'm preaching the word of God about the second coming of Christ, that would be epic. That'd be so cool. Come Lord Jesus right now. But guys... Jesus might come back when I'm changing my one-year-old's diaper. And guess what? I would be happy to be found changing my son's diaper as much as I'd be happy to be found preaching the second coming of Jesus. See, God wants to be in every aspect of your life. He wants holiness and godliness in all of your life. But so often we compartmentalize our lives into the sacred and the secular, the things that like God wants you to do and then the things that it's, you just have to do. God wants to be all in it and all through it. He wants all of you, all of your life and everything that you do. And you know the things that you do where if Jesus were to come back when you're doing that, you would shrink back at his coming. So stop doing that. And start doing the things that you know God would be pleased to find you doing. And so this means that if we have our sights fixed on our citizenship in heaven and from it we await a savior, we also need to understand that we have a citizenship here on earth. But remember, guys, throughout 1 Peter, we are elect exiles. We are only passing through. Our treasure is in heaven, not on this earth. And so my life's goal 
my life's goal, and, and it might not be yours, I pray that it would grow into this, but my goal is to bring as many souls to heaven with me as possible. Because nothing on this earth other than saved souls is going with me. There are two things that God says are eternal. His word and people. So I want to be a man who gives the word of God to people. That's my life's goal. And I've joked before that you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You know, last I checked, when somebody dies, the clothes still hang in the closet. The car is still parked in the in the garage. It is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. And so dear friends, are we waiting for, are we hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Two very beautiful things about the coming of Jesus that we can wait for and we can hasten the coming of God. It's interesting, the word, the word waiting for is looking around with expectation. And the word hastening is to speed something up to hurry something along. And it's interesting to think what Peter means by to look for and to speed up the coming of the day of God. How does that work? Well, think about it. You guys know that prayer changes things, right? Prayer changes things. And and there's a prayer that comes at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22. Jesus makes a statement. He says, surely I am coming soon. And then there's this prayer response. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's a prayer that the Spirit and the church pray together. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And every time we pray that prayer, Jesus is, I'm coming soon. And we say, Amen. Come, Lord. I'm, I'm coming soon. Come, Lord. Keep praying. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, oh, Lord, come. And people have been praying that ever since Jesus ascended to heaven. He said he's coming soon, but why does Jesus wait? Because he wants more souls saved. And so then another way to hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus is to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because when the gospel is preached to the nations, God's kingdom will come. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Church, when we are about God's business, when we are living in holiness and godliness and we are obedient and faithful to preach the gospel, it will speed up the coming of Jesus. Do you want him to come? We do. We live in that tension. You guys realize that Peter preached in his first sermon at Pentecost that if people would repent, not only would their sins be forgiven, and that they would be refreshed, but also that the Lord would send Jesus back from heaven. Let me read this part of Peter's sermon, the first sermon to the church, that 3,000 souls were saved because of this message. said, repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. 
Guys, this was 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven. And Peter is preaching, repent, turn to God and be forgiven. And then the Father will send Jesus again from heaven back to earth. 10 days after Jesus left, Peter was praying, oh Lord Jesus, come. Save this group of people and then come. And if you get saved, then Jesus might come. If you live in godliness and holiness, what the prophets spoke about is going to happen. And guys, the message is still the same today. You could call it a 2,000-year-old message. That's how long ago Peter preached that sermon. Or you could call it a two-day-old message. Because no matter how you look at it, in comparison to eternity, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Jesus is coming soon. So are you right with him? Are you, are you right with Jesus? Because he's coming into the world again. All he's waiting for is giving time for people to repent. Bless you. When Jesus comes into this world, the heavens and the earth that we currently dwell in will be dissolved by fire. Tonight, look into the sky, and all the cosmos above will melt away. Jesus used that word dissolved. It comes from this idea of being loosed, letting something loose, which made me think about how from Colossians, right now, Jesus holds together all creation. Or from Hebrews, how it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. But there's gonna come a moment where that'll be loosed, dissolved, destroyed, melted by fire. And then what's gonna come after that? We wait for a new heavens and a new earth. Verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So when Jesus made the promise of his coming, this, this coming will also bring a new heavens and a new earth. And the key feature of the new heavens and the new earth is that righteousness will dwell in it. Why will righteousness dwell in the new heavens and the new earth? Well, because God will dwell with his people. And because Jesus, the righteous one, he made us righteous by his sacrifice on the cross so that we will be able to dwell with him in righteousness for all of eternity. We who are ungodly and unholy have been made godly and have been made holy. And there is a place for those who have refused the blood of Jesus and the free gift of righteousness and their place will be in the lake of fire having not received the blood of Jesus that makes one righteous. And there is still time, friends, for the blood of Jesus through the loving sacrifice of our Savior to make you clean, to make you righteous. Verse 14 says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found with him or without spot or blemish and at peace. If you're waiting for the coming of the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness will dwell. You've read the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, and it says like 
no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. All of that will be done away with, and you will dwell with the Lamb who is the light. And, and all these things, it's, it's, it's beautiful to think about. But as you think about these things, it, it's to be sought as we are living in that state now. Yes, there is a future righteousness coming where sin will be no more. But God has called us to, as so far as it depends upon us, to be diligent to be found without spot or blemish. Because that's only possible through the blood of Jesus. It's only possible through the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help you to live a righteous life. But that idea of being without spot and without blemish comes from the old covenant and how a lamb was to be sacrificed. And Jesus is the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. He is the one who is without spot or blemish. And when his blood was shed upon the cross, that blood covered us. That blood made us righteous. We were made pure in God's sight, not on any works that we have done by ourselves, but because of the work of Jesus and only the work of Jesus that can make one clean. And so God sent forth his only son, Jesus, into this world as a man to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death and so that his perfect blood can cover imperfect people. And man, the peace that comes when you know that your sins are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. The peace that guides us as we know that we do not need to walk any longer in our former ways, but that we can walk in the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can somebody praise Jesus today for the blood of Jesus? The blood that has made us righteous. Now, I already touched on verses 15 through 16, but, but I want to read it one more time, and we're going to bring this plane in for a landing. It says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Now, notice how many times Peter has mentioned patience, the patience of God as salvation. You guys have been very patient this morning listening to these truths. And just think about how many times God has heard the gospel preached. And maybe you've heard so many times the gospel preached, but you're patiently sitting here again, hearing it again and letting it wash over you again. As we wait for God, we wait patiently and we hear the gospel again and again and again. Count that as salvation. Count that as salvation. God's patient even for those who are ignorant and unstable because there are people who will mishandle and misuse God's word because they're not being diligent. And, and people who mishandle and misuse God's word should repent of that. <laughs> and God is giving them time to do that. And I just wanna say this is that we, we I've, I've been reiterating this is that we wanna be a church that finds truth in God's word. And we want to be a place where we do not twist the scriptures to our own liking. Here's the thing. We need to bend our lives to this word. 
we do not bend this word to our lives. When I read this book, I read things that are hard for me to understand. I read things even how God will destroy the ungodly with fire. I'm like, really? How like the earth is opened up and swallows people whole? And, and there's times even like with my modern mind that I want to be like, really? There's things that I don't get. There's things that I don't understand. There's things that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. But then I realized something is that if I have a problem with this book, the problem is not with this book, the problem is with me and how I'm thinking. And I need to change my thinking to what this book says. And if it says that Jesus is coming soon, I need to start thinking that that's gonna happen. And if Jesus says I'm coming soon and when I come I will bring salvation to the godly and I will bring destruction to the ungodly, I need that to change how my mind thinks and I need to say, well, I'm godly, praise Jesus that I'll be saved. But if there's destruction coming on the ungodly, then that means I just can't sit around and just wait for that to happen. I gotta be about God's business to make sure that there is none that perish because God doesn't like that. God doesn't want any to die apart from him. And so I bend my life to the word. But there are people who will take the writings, as it says, that, that they will twist the scriptures. By the way, do you like in verse 16 how it says that the writings of Paul are scripture? Because he said, a small thing there in verse 16, he says that the writings of Paul are scriptures because after talking about the letters of Paul, he says that people will twist Paul's writings as they do the other scriptures. And so the writings of Peter and the writings of Paul and the writings of John and the four gospels in the Old Testament, this book, I believe, has everything pertaining to life and godliness and my life is gonna be shaped by this word and this church is gonna be shaped by this word. And so if you wanna to come to this church, and, and I'm glad you're here, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. Learn how to handle your Bible on your own. Because if there ever comes a point where we stop preaching the word of God, if I start saying things that are not in God's word, if, if I twist things to fit the times, please stop coming here. Leave on the day that I give a sermon and do not read any scripture, okay? Deal. But if I've rightly handled God's word today, which I believe I have, the message has been clear. Jesus is coming again. And you need to be found ready to live a life of holiness and godliness, which is only possible through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last two verses, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away into the era of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. I believe that you have heard the gospel today.
And you have an opportunity to respond to that gospel, to become what Peter says is a beloved child of God. And and verse 17 told us that we've been told these truths beforehand so that we can be stable. You can be stable. and, And we go out into a world that is so unstable. We go out into a world where there is error of lawless people all around, but because you come here and you get filled up and you get stirred up, you get tuned up, you get cleaned up, you hear the word of God, you get to go back out into an unstable world and you get to bring the stability of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You get to be the salt and the light of the world. You get to go and stand firm in the promise of his coming, even if people think you are wacky. So be it. There is endless error that people are getting carried away with into this world. Churches that call themselves churches are getting carried away into the lawless ways of the world. But we are a church that will stand upon the word of God. We are a church that will preach the gospel because there's coming a time when the last person that Jesus is going to, going to save will be saved and then he's coming and he will come. And so we need to be stable how we cling to Jesus. We get reminded of the gospel. We come to the church. We, we keep watch. We stay alert. We stay sober-minded. We keep our eye on the prize. You have a hope that is steady and stable, anchored within the veil of God's sanctuary. You grow in grace. You grow in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's all about him and his glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, for your church, and for your word. God, I pray that your word today stirred up your church, Jesus, to go into this world with the good news. Because when we do, when we bring the gospel from our Jerusalem to our Judea to the ends of the earth, God, you will come. You said you would come. And God, we live in that tension because there's people we love that we want to have saved. God, save them. But God, we also want you to come. We want that new heavens. We want that new earth. We don't want to struggle with sin any longer. We don't want to deal with sickness any longer. We're done with that enemy called death. But God, right now, as we live in that tension, we pray right now we live holy and godly lives, both now and to the day of eternity. Thank you, God, for the way that you've refined your church this morning by your word. God, I pray right now that if there's anyone here in our midst who is ready to come to Jesus, I pray right now you draw them. And and listen, right now, if you want to be ready for the second coming of Jesus, this is what you have to do. You have to receive his first coming. And when he came first, he came to deal with sin. He removes your sin by his blood. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and make you righteous in his sight. And if you're here today 
and you believe that God left heaven and came to earth as a man and died upon a cross and rose from the dead, you've heard the gospel and you want to put your life upon that gospel, would you raise your hand right now to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Praise God. So if we go out, church, we go out to receive and to give this blessing. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for what you're doing here. Keep us stable, Lord. Let us grow in your grace. Let us grow in your knowledge, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.